Welcome to the Business of Experience. I'm your host, Rodney Hobbs. Thank you for joining me today in the podcast series that explores everything to do with experience. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Business of Experience. And I'm super excited today to have as our guest Janine Garner. And Janine is a keynote speaker, author, trainer, networking, collaboration, transformational leadership, and podcast host. I'm not sure where she fits all of that in, but welcome, Janine, to the show. Thank you for having me, Rodney. It's fabulous to be here. So, Janine, I'm with all of those amazing accolades and accomplishments that you have, maybe we can start today's chat with a little bit of background to how you became you and, and all the wonderful things that you offer. <laughs> how long have we got? No, seriously, it's, uh, it's always a, a fascinating start to a conversation. And uh, it's one that I actually sat down and mapped back. Um, I don't know if any of your listeners have ever done this, where you sort of take a moment to map backwards the things that you have done and what you have learned and how it all joins together to get to where you are. And um, for me, the the tipping point was um, actually somebody said to me, Janine, you're the queen of reinvention. And I went, no, I'm not. And then it was through that exercise that I actually realized that every probably nine to 10 years, I have totally pivoted and, and changed tack. So for me, I'm, I'm from the UK originally. Um, I arrived uh, here in Australia back in 2000. So the first part of my career was very much following that traditional corporate route of go to school, get a uh, degree and start a graduate training process. And then literally worked my way up very much in the field of marketing. I My background is business building, uh, brand development, and very much in the retail, uh, retail fashion product space. So I started career in the UK um, and then arrived here in December 2000. Um, I'd, I'd fallen in love with an Aussie in the UK and uh, he brought me over here on holiday and having landed back in the UK in February, hitting the M25 and it being pitch black at three o'clock in the afternoon, I went, I can't do this anymore. So I literally left my job, left, uh, sold up and arrived in Australia with a, with a backpack, a resume, a permanent residency visa and my boyfriend who subsequently became my husband and spent that next period of my life, the next 10 years, rebuilding my career here in Australia. Um, and building social proof, really, in a country where I knew no one, uh, building a network in a country where equally I knew no one, and building a life in a country where I'd never lived before. And over the next 10 years, rebuilt my corporate career. Um, the last, as I call it, proper corporate job for me was Group Marketing Director for Oriton Group. So I looked after the Oriton brand and the Ralph Lauren brand. And... Um, about 10 years later, that's when I then decided to pivot again. So I left the corporate job here in Australia and I started out with my own entrepreneurial venture. I pretty much bootstrapped my own business, which was in the field of networking and connecting. I launched a uh, executive women's networking organization, which over the next 10 years ended up with a footprint across Australia and we were testing 
uh, that concept in Singapore and in London. And in March 2019, last year, I sold that business and the next pivot started. Over the course of that, I um, started to get asked to speak. Um, I wrote my first two books, From Me to We and It's Who You Know, really on the back of the experience that I'd had. And I started becoming curious about what makes people successful. What is the difference between those that achieve success and those that just achieve success? okay success. So what is what is the difference between being excellent and being brilliant? And that's where the first two books came from about how do we work more effectively together from me to we? And then how do we make sure we're surrounded by the right people that will help us achieve success, which, which was the second book, um, It's Who You Know. Um, and essentially now my, my life is around, I write, um, I speak, I work with organizations and executives to unlock individual and team brilliance because I believe that when we can uh, stop faking it till we make it, when we can bring our uh, brilliance to everything that we do, then that actually enables all of us to collaborate and connect better and ultimately achieve the exceptional results that all of us need individually, that we need as teams to f- perform and that we need as organisations uh, to move into the future. So that's that's essentially my whistle-stop journey uh, from working-class farmer's girl to now living in the northern beaches of Sydney, uh, somebody that gave up writing and English, studying English at the age of 16, and now uh, the author of three books, which I always find quite entertaining when I think about it. <laughs> well, it was, uh, that is amazing. And um, I think we've run out of time. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I'm only joking. You're enjoying another wonderful episode of the Business of Experience. I'm your host, Rodney Hobbs. And if you and your organization want to redesign work, and drive experience, please reach out at rodneyhobbs.com. Now let's get back to the show. Well, look, I mean, I, I came to Australia a little bit before you in, in the 80s, the early 80s, without uh, dating myself too much and uh, certainly uh, have a lot of empathy for anybody who has lived the dream of the M25 to the fact that Australia is an amazing place. So, yes, um, look, that is a, a tremendous story and obviously – you know, fascinating as everyone's story is, but uh, what a, a great set of achievements and to get you to this point and certainly, you know, really fascinating and very uh, insightful and inspiring your books uh, that I've come across and obviously hence the reason for us to connect. And I'm mm. questioning today, what, what we were kicking around is firstly, you know, boy, what a an interesting time that we're living in. And that's not a trite saying anymore with the crisis at hand. And obviously in that we were thinking, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be affected by this and really how do we, you know, understand and maybe provide some insights on today's chat around how do we unleash our inner brilliance? And I know, you know, this is an area that that you're very passionate about and obviously cover. And we just kind of thought we would discuss that. So maybe, we can start by um, just kind of getting into, I think you had the four laws that we mm. can we can understand and uh, and share with our listeners today to access what everybody has as, as their brilliance. 
Yeah, happy to. Um, I think just just before we go there, it's it's worth acknowledging what you uh, just alluded to, Rodney, in the fact that we are living in um, incredibly challenging, uh, highly complex and uncertain times. There is no doubt that every single one of us right now um, is questioning and curious about what this is going to look like in the future. And I think that that's part of what is unsettling everybody. You know, we're living in this period of acute emergency right now where what we're seeing is everybody almost reacting um, to the situation, doing what they think needs to happen to get to the other side. And I do reckon that, that once this acute emergency phase does slow down, that's when we're going to see the real adaption that is needed as individuals, um, as organisations, as economies, as, as governments in terms of how and what do we need to do? How do we adapt? What do we need to change to ensure that we are continuing to succeed in the future? And that in itself is unsettling for people. I mean, if you think about prior to the situation that we're in, what I saw was a significant amount of fatigue going a lot on for everybody. Um, we saw we're fatigued with being busy. Um, so many of us, um, and particularly I was seeing this a lot in uh, small business land and in corporate, people were just exhausted with being exhausted, being uh, pulled in 101 directions and just having no time. And that in itself is currently being challenged with what we're going on. The second fatigue I saw was choice fatigue in that there were too many choices going on. We, we, we can be online, we can be offline, we can write, we can listen, we can study uh, in this format, in that format, the multiple ways in which we can choose to live our lives, to do our jobs, to be the parents, and the choice was becoming exhausting. And the third thing that was kicking in is this stretch fatigue of people being pulled in so many directions. So what I was seeing was people generally just feeling just exhausted. They were burnt out uh, mentally, physically, spiritually exhausted such that that was then impacting how we lead, um, how we be ourselves at work. Um, and how organizations make decisions to move forward. And we were starting to see, and, and I think we'll, we'll start seeing more of it, to be honest, is the uh, increased amount of burnout, of mental exhaustion, of mental health, um, and individuals just uh, really struggling with a lack of self-belief, of imposter syndrome, of am I good enough? So all of this stuff for me, what I was witnessing was people trying to find the solution. And the solution, more often than not, was externalizing it. So we would invest in training, and yet we'd come out of that still thinking we weren't good enough. We would invest in acquiring stuff, and yet despite that, we still weren't happy. We would be investing in going to networking events and trying to meet people, and yet despite that, we were feeling exhausted. And I just started going, what on earth is going on here? And that's where over the last couple of years I've started researching what is the difference between those that are achieving personal brilliance 
and those that are really struggling. And that's really the essence of this book of saying, you know what, when everything around you is moving so quickly, where you've got no control over what's going on, where you actually don't even know what it's going to look like in 30 days, 60 days, 90 years, 12 months, whatever, 90 days, 12 months, whatever it is, the one thing that you have control over is yourself. And if we can unlock our own individual brilliance, if we can stop beating ourselves up about our imperfections and rise above that, if we can um, stop making excuses for our own limitations and actually go out there and be the best that we can, then maybe, just maybe, we can allow other people to do the same. And then maybe, just maybe, that will unlock the innovation, the ideas, the realness, the opportunity that does exist when people start connecting and collaborating together. So that's where the essence of this book comes from. And through, I've run a podcast like yourself, Ronnie, for a couple of years now and spoken to leaders all around the world, business leaders, uh, leaders in sport, uh, thought leaders, game changers, whatever it may be. I've spoken to the hundreds of people and there were some consistent themes coming out every single time. And that's what I've wrapped up into these four laws of brilliance. So for me, it's this combination of um, your inner confidence such that you can then externally bring the best of yourself to the work, to your work and to every connection that you make. And also this, this inner confidence about what you know and what you believe so that you can move from a place of independently working as me into this collaborative space of we. And the four laws are the first law is to be you and learning how to stand in your spotlight Um, The second law is about being ready and harnessing your energy so that you are actually a fully functioning human being at every single opportunity. Law three is about being together, about connecting with intent, because as we know, we cannot be successful alone. And then law four is going, okay, now that you are clear on who you are, that you have the energy to bring the best of yourself to your work that you are surrounded by the right people that are going to help you shine now. Law 4 is about being heard and how do you magnify your influence and amplify those around you. No, and I think we obviously, uh, and very well said, I mean, we do have to acknowledge that this is very difficult times. And as we were sort of discussing before, I think this is, as I'm hearing and talking to a lot of different people I hope that 2020 is really going to be a year in two halves. Firstly, how we respond to this crisis and how we need to rise to that challenge. And then the second half is really how do we recover because the storm will pass. And what I'm seeing, and really before this crisis, you know, a lot of us were leading the conversation with lots of organizations about that high level of disengagement that we were seeing from the broader workforce. And I think this is going to serve as an opportunity to reset and, you know, sort of refresh a lot of people. Obviously, a lot of people are going to be put in a very uncomfortable position because they're going to be impacted in some way. But I do believe there's a lot of opportunity. And in some ways, there is a lining, a silver lining to this. And, and that is that a lot of people are starting to, you know, speak to me and share with me that a lot of things that have been 
sort of bogged bogged up before, weren't going anywhere. This is now acting as an accelerant, um, and hopefully we will see from an organizational perspective a lot more purpose and drive to redesign what work is because I, that's a fundamental belief I have that we need to not – continue with this kind of new tools model that we've been doing. And I come more from the technology side. I've always talked a lot about mindset, not tool set. And I think we need to really challenge the DNA of work because without that, and for a lot of us, we so much of who we are is in some ways, and I'll be interested on your insights on this, really kind of dictated and driven by what we do. Certainly, I know as a, as a male, for us, it certainly is. That's the kind of uniform that we put on. And I think it's time things like the 40-hour week and this whole notion of remote working, which I really don't like that word remote, because I think we're now all, as a, as a globe, in the world's biggest experiment, that it's not about where you work. It's about how you work. And we need to shift to that outcome orientation rather than the input orientation and 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 this really challenges the the construct of trust and i think that's going to be very very important to how we get through this and how we seize the opportunity to recover from this because it's it's going to take a while but there is going to be um a pot of gold i believe at the end if uh, if we can you know make sure that we bring everybody through this uh, because we are all in it together uh, I couldn't agree more, and I think if it this world's biggest experiment, and we're, if if we're going to get through it and come out of it better, it's actually asking every single one of us to take ownership of our place in it, and um, and essentially this is this is what I've been writing about. Of it starts and ends with you. So. We've had so, there, there is so much going on right now and we're seeing it in this acute emergency phase of what we're all currently experiencing where we are not taking ownership because we may be deflecting um, our lack of momentum and movement onto somebody else. Uh, we may be detracting ownership from ourselves by externalising it's everything else's fault or at worst, we are defeatist and we're taking on board um, almost blaming ourselves for everything. Um, and that defeatist place was pretty much what I was seeing a lot of people feeling of imposter syndrome, a lack of self-belief, not feeling good enough, the comparisonitis, all of this stuff was feeding this incredible amount of self-doubt. And what happens when you're feeling that? is you're only bringing part of yourself to any conversation, any meeting, any debate. And, and we wrapped it up in this need to create a safe environment. And that then became the buzzword, you know, what did we call it? Psychological safety. And I go, yeah, but you still, it starts and ends with you. If, 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 you're, if you don't actually start taking ownership of who you are, of what your skills are, of what your strengths are, of what your opinion is, and if you aren't solid in your conviction to present that, then nothing actually will change. And I think this experiment that we're facing is hopefully going to unlock a lot of pushback, as you said, on redesigning what work looks like, on what is acceptable, on what we as individuals need to perform at our best, and really almost recreating environments that will truly unlock 
the innovation, the ideas, that diversity of thinking that we are going to need as we enter this massively adaptive period of change where everything is going to have to evolve. And if we're faking it till we make it, we won't get there. And, and really that's the message in my, my book, the latest book of Be Brilliant, is how can you step into your brilliant self of bringing out and sharing with the world the best that you have right now so that you can create the impact that you want to make. So instead of beating yourself up, of doubting yourself, of really leading superficially and connecting superficially, what if you let all of those guards down, all of those boundaries, you stop listening to the voices in your head and you start bringing the best of yourself to everything that you do. And all of this is backed up with the leaders that I've spoken to, where the moment they started, they stopped pretending to fake it till they make it. They brought their true leadership to work of who they are. They were able to make the impact in their organizations that we that they wanted to make. And we see it everywhere, Rodney. I mean, you and I were talking about this offline that, you know, there's too many leaders that have got to where they have got to purely based on results and capability. But this big experiment that we are all part of and nowhere near out of yet is actually asking for more than that. And that's, this is where it's going to get really interesting. And I've, you know, my book is all about how do all of us who are on a quest to be brilliant, how do we do that? What are the tips and the tools and the things to think about to make sure that you aren't just about results and capability, but you are in flow leading and living and influencing as the awesome individual that you are. You're enjoying another wonderful episode of The Business of Experience. I'm your host, Rodney Hobbs. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please ensure you subscribe, like, and share. And I think you touched on a really important thing because I, I think this is the greatest leadership test. And I, I don't mean leadership because it's what people's titles are and that leaders are just the, the people running the businesses. I think leadership is, is, a, is a thing that's required or, or, or demonstrated when needed, not as that you had a title. And mm. I think that, you know, hindsight and history will judge who led through this crisis and who managed this crisis. And I think for me, being very passionate about, you know, the employee experience and thinking about how we put people at the center of starting to design and create these new ecosystems that will become what some people want to label as the social enterprise, which I believe very firmly is more the future than not. This is going to be where we need these leadership at all levels in all dimensions to be putting their arms around their workforces. And that means their customers, their partners, and their employees. But this is the time we need to take the workforce through this with us, with us all. And we will see. It will be very obvious, I think, as it is already, where there are some amazing examples of leadership. I think it was the the, the leader of the, the Marriott Chains video on on LinkedIn, that was just an amazing demonstration of empathy about dealing with this and, and communicating at this time. And there are many others, right, from political leaders to, to business leaders. But I think also, you know, I, I fear, unfortunately, that there will be poor examples where we will take too much of just a financial view 
and we will just contract. And there are, you know, some parts where undeniably that is going to happen. But I think it's how we treat and manage that situation because not everybody potentially can fund their way through this. But I think it's going to be an ultimate test because this is uncharted waters, different to the Great Depression, different to the other eras of challenges in our in our past. And I think hopefully, like the bushfires and like other things that we've gone through, we will see humanity rise to the top and not profit lead the decisions that we need to make. But why don't we crack on, Janine, because it is a great thing that you're sharing around your book. And I think it's such a great topic because we all do need to take that personal ownership. You know, I can joke about, I remember many, many years ago, in my first corporate job, that HR came to me and said, your career is your problem, not ours. And that's, uh, that is something where very clearly I got the message that it's something that I had to take responsibility for if I wanted to achieve anything. But I can also understand that for a lot of people, that might not be just a natural thing for them to do and a natural thing for them to to want to do because things get complex. They challenge us. They make us uncomfortable, as you've alluded to. So can we maybe, can you give us some insights around each one of those laws so that listeners get a better sense for like, what are these things, like what can we share today that gives some people some insights they might be able to start thinking about? Yeah, so why don't we take each law one by one and um, I'll, I'll try and very briefly um, give your listeners a little bit of an idea of, of what to consider. So, so the first law, which very much is around being you and owning your spotlight, um, I absolutely believe that owning your individual spotlight is key to your success today and tomorrow. And Rodney, I also say to many of my clients, the company owns your job, but you own your career. And yet so many of us um, go into our roles or into our jobs conforming to how we think we should behave and what we should do and what the next piece of success is. And it's only when we get knocked about a bit that we start questioning this. And for me, I can still remember I, um, I was working corporately at the time and I had three children um, under, they were under eight, I think they were, I've still got them, they're just a little bit older, but I can still remember both myself and my husband were working full time and I had followed that traditional corporate uh, model of progression. As I alluded to earlier, it was university, straight into a graduate traineeship and then literally year after year, promotion after promotion, constantly striving and constantly proving that I was good enough. And I can still remember coming home this one night and sitting around the dinner table and I've got three children and the middle, my daughter, who's the middle child, was, was about five at the time. And uh, we read all the parenting books about how you should parent and what you should do as a working parent. And we sat down and we did this. So how was your days, darling? What are you grateful for? And my daughter looked at me from her high chair and she said to me, Mommy, why do you work so hard? And I threw back to the table, I work so hard because I've studied, I've been to university and therefore this is the job and it's all about progress and earning money and so I can take one holiday and we can buy you toys and da 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 and then she looked at me and she went but mummy why are you so unhappy 
And for me, that was a critical watershed moment to actually go, you know, I've spent my entire working life trying to prove that I am good enough and hopefully paving the way to prove to the next generation, particularly, you know, as an almost 50-year-old woman, that, that you can do it. You can have a family and raise children and work full-time. And yet the one person that I was trying to influence, my five-year-old, turned to me and said, why are you so unhappy? And I realized then that moment that I had to take back control and self-ownership. I had to reconnect and reclaim who I was and who I wanted to be so that I could ultimately influence and lead in a different way. And this essentially is, is the essence of law one of how do you fuel your self-belief so that you are able to be visible and intentional in the work that you are doing and the impact that you are making every day on your terms, not doing what you think you need to do to conform. And there are three facets of Law One. The first facet is character, which is essentially owning who you are, every single facet. You know, you are, um, to use an analogy, you are a diamond. Every single one of us is a unique diamond that has been put on this earth to shine. And yet, we hide the various facets of our personality. We try and smooth them off to fit in. And what I am encouraging people to do is to shine up those facets, to bring them to the fore, to allow your character to shine. Because when we can stop faking it till we make it, we can actually bring the best of who we are to everything that we do. So owning your spotlight is identifying the real character of who you are so that you can be more visible in that, to understand that you are a blank canvas that can become whatever it is that you want, that it's your responsibility to step into the future. And like every superhero has flaws, you have flaws too. And until you can understand your character, you are always going to be faking it, which means that the conversations, the decision-making, the input that you have is not going to be fully where it should be. The other part of owning your spotlight is then focus of what is it that you want to do like taking ownership of your goals and your dreams, um, triggering off that belief and that motivation, and then making sure that you have a plan to get there because nobody else is responsible for your career or your life, only you. And I think we're starting to see uh, the results of a lack of that right now because suddenly we are, all of us globally, living in a situation where the foundations that we thought, thought we had are being swiped away from under our feet. Those foundations can be as simple as, you know, being able to visit your family, but even down to your salary, your job, what's next, all of that is being wiped out from under us. And as you said earlier, Rodney, our identity isn't our work. So what is it that you want to achieve and get clear on that? I mentor so many individuals where you talk to them about what they want to achieve over 12 months and it's always so work-oriented. And I go, what about everything else? You know, you only have 52 weeks in a year. That's 52 Saturdays. That's four quarters. That's one summer. What are you going to do to make this year matter? And that's, that's what focus is all about to me. And the final um, element, um, the final facet of law one is owning your expertise. 
Um, we are all unique. You have yourself, Rodney, as you said, you're passionate about the customer experience. I'm passionate about individuals bringing their brilliant self to work and the impact that that has on leadership. You know, all of us have got a certain set of skills, knowledge, and experience that makes you an asset. And as soon as we can own that, that's when we're able to just step into that spotlight no longer fake it till we make it, not feel that we're only bringing 75% of ourselves to work, but actually bring the best of ourselves to everything that we do, to every opportunity, every single moment, every single second of the day. And as a result of that, make every moment matter. So that's the essence of Law One.